Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Terrence Wilson, lead pastor of Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. We're going to open today because I want to I want to prepare you and uh, Pastor Joanne and, and my thought before this heart for the house season before we really get into talking about giving to the house we wanted to give something back to you we wanted to invest in you um, so today about stewardship and we're going to talk about our finances in a way that we have never really talked about it before and I've invited a very uh, special guest to come and join me today so we're going to have a we're going to have a conversation so y'all mind if I sit down I'm going to get a little comfortable man it's going it's going to be like the cool church talk show today talking it's going to be good I, I love it I'm going to kick my leg up a little bit all right um so a heart for the house season um, before I bring out my guests, let me just preface it. We'll be in the book of Haggai for the next for the next five to six weeks. Yes, we go on Old Testament because I, I believe there's some amazing principles about generalship there that we'll lean into as it pertains to building God's house. And today, I wanted to start with the verse just to set you up. You should actually like go home and just read all of Haggai. It's only two chapters, okay? But it's going to set you up for what happens over these next six weeks. But I just want to lean on a verse. Haggai, one chapter, uh, one uh, verse. And it says, it should come up on the screens behind me. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. See, somebody was with me. Come on. I'm going to read that again. And if you believe that, I want you to say amen. Haggai 1.5 says, now this is. Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. And the church said, amen. Amen. Today, we're going to talk about finances, and I brought in a financial expert to help us, but I really want us to start thinking about the way we see money. How many of y'all think about money? If your hand's not up, you're you're a liar, and the truth ain't in you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love you. Here's the thing. Many of us think about money, but we don't think about the ways we use money, right? And the Bible says, give careful thought to your ways. I believe more thought around the way we use money, we will see more money come our way. I believe that. So today, I want to be very intentional. What is God saying in this verse? Really what he's saying is, hey, get your priorities in order. You better. Yeah. We're going to get our priorities to do that, I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I'm really good with like spiritual stuff and biblical stuff, but I wanted to bring up somebody today that is a financial genius. Um, they are a guru, but not just in the financial space. Spiritually, they are in tune financially, spiritually as well. And I know this person has not only been a blessing in my personal life, you didn't even realize this, but this person has been a blessing in this church. I've actually brought in today the CFO of Cool Church. His name is Patrick Chandler, and he is here with his amazing family, and he is going to urge us today about our finances. So can we all get up on our feet right now and give it up for our guy, Patrick? Come on.
Church, how you doing? Pat, how you doing, man? You all right? I am great. I am great. I want y'all to know, you know, we have a spiritual connection. We did not plan our outfits today, but the Holy Spirit working through us coordinated our varsity jackets in Jesus' name. I just made that up. Oh, man, I'm so, so glad that you are here. And I'm excited, excited to be here. Excited. So, so Pat is, is, is family. He's on, he's on team with us, and I love it. Uh, co- what COVID did show us is that you don't have to be in the same place to work together. Amen? Amen. So, Pat uh, hails all the way from Okay, he's up in Maryland. It used to be my home when I uh, was at school, but I ain't been back since. But that's okay. I still got family there. And why don't, why don't you introduce? I think you, I think you brought somebody with you that I know you think is way cooler than me. So I want to give you time to absolutely. So I want to yeah. honor uh, my wife of five years, AB. Bro, let's go. It's so special because uh, she's not always able to travel with me. So whenever she's able to travel, uh, we have two kids back home, uh, Victoria, who's three, and PJ, uh, who's two years old. So I'm grateful. I honor you. I love you. There is no without you. So I just wanted to say that I love you. I like that. And if you would allow me. Absolutely. um, I want to honor you and Pastor Joanne. And we'll, we'll be able to shout and scream in a second. Um, but Pastor Terrence and Pastor Joanne are family. Time, how cool church is a place where people can find family. And you are a brother to me. I can call you. I have called you at any time of the day. You've helped me with my marriage. You've helped me with my spiritual walk. You've helped me get closer to God. You've helped me strategize business. But more than that, you and um, the Bible talks about a friend that sticks closer to a closer to you than a brother. Um, but you are a brother to me, and you've pastored every single person in this room. You've sacrificed. You've taken spiritual warfare that none of us have seen, none of us will know. Um, but you've went ahead so that we can experience God. So, a uh, cool church. Can we take a Pastor Terrence and Pastor Joanne? We can do a little better than that. Come on. I'll say this before Let's you go, go. Into, into your section. Yes. Um, guys, we're going to get real today. Yes. I want you to turn to your neighbor on your left and say, are you going to be real? Turn to your right to the person that you avoided and ask them that same question. Are you going to be real today? in church of either not talking about finances, whether we have a lot or we don't have a lot. It's one of those conversations that we've honestly avoided. My goal today is that we would get into the nitty gritty about what God says about our finances. I'll get this out of the way before we ask any questions. God wants you to prosper. Can I hear you? Amen. I'll say that again. God wants you to prosper with your finances. I don't know what you're walking in with. I don't know what failures you've seen. I don't know what generational curses you are battling, problems that you didn't even ask for. But I'm here to tell you all the way from Baltimore, Maryland, that God wants you to prosper. And we're going to walk through that process of what it looks like to prosper financially. I love, man, I love that so much. What I just love hearing, I like, I love watching you in this, in this, like, in this in this type of setting, because me and him we talk all the time, but like 
you're a PK, man. You're a pastor's kid, right? I was going to say unfortunately, but I, was going to <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. He's a pastor's kid, but like you're a financial genius, and we'll get into all of that. Like manages multi-million dollar accounts and all that fun stuff. I just, I just like, I just like telling people I know you because you're really smart and you're really good with money. Seeing you in this setting because I think it's important for people to see that yes, you can you can be financially minded, but still, man, have the spirit of God at the center of your life. Like you you minister to me all the time. Like you're you're not you don't just help me with my finance. You minister with me, and I love the, the chance to get to see you have this opportunity here. We're gonna have some fun, but we're gonna get real. And the church said, Amen. Look at your neighbor, say, get real. Come on, come on. And like Pat said, look at your the other neighbor, the one you don't like so much because you picked them second and say, get real. Get real. I love it. All right. So so we, it's gonna be this is gonna be good because I got some questions, man. I've been I've been trying to figure out some questions to ask Patrick all of us, but you too will have an opportunity to ask questions. There should be a QR code. There it is right right up there. So as you ask questions uh, later on in the service, um, I'm going to flip through my phone. I'm going to see them. They're going to come right to my phone, and I'll be able to flip through and we'll pick some questions that come right from you. If you're online, there should be um, a link to be able to ask. Y'all got some questions? Yeah. All right, good. We got some answers. I love this. So let, let's let's take this thing kind of topic by topic, uh, if you will, shall we? Um, we really put some consideration into this because we wanted you to get the best overarching view of what kingdom financial principles uh, look like. And and pay a bunch of money, but we figured, man, why not uh, just come to God's house and get the resource for free? And the church said, Amen. All right, now we're going to give you the resource, but it's going to be up to you to use what you learn. Amen? Amen. Got to apply it. You can hear it, but you got to apply it. So uh, let, let's talk about. I, I got this first question I want to kind of throw, uh, Pat. Um, if you're not careful, money can rule you. Like, you, you, money can become an idol if you're not careful. And the church said? Amen. So, I, I want to ask you, like, what are some signs that money has become an idol in your life? That's a great question. To what my mom told me. Uh, and she said, Patrick, do you have things or do things have you mm -mm -mm. and she told me when I was younger and then as I grew up it became more and more of a reality in my life yeah. that if we're not careful money can become our God what's an idol an idol is something that we place in the position of God you think about the children of Israel mm -hmm. uh, where they had the golden calf and they were worshiping this version of what they thought God was we know mm -hmm. how that story goes God yep. got angry mm -hmm. um, but if we're not careful money can become that in our life know that how do you know if money is an idol in your life when it's the thing that you go to before God mm. I'll say that again. How do you That'll know preach. when money is an idol? When it's the first thing that you go to outside of God. Yeah. What does that mean? That means you get a cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting on your knees and praying and telling your loved ones around you, to, you think, okay, I can get the best treatment possible because I have money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is not open up your word. It's not pray. It's open up your banking app. Right. Uh-oh, that's what I do sometimes. I'm mm -hmm. guilty. Guys, this is not me talking to you. I'm going to share my story in these questions. Yeah. Because these are currently working through, currently things that I have to submit to God on a regular basis. So when you think about an idol, you think about something that takes the place of God. That's right. We're talking about money in this context, but there's a lot of idols that we've erected in our life. Mm -mm -mm. 
Yep. Kids. Right. Career. Status. Mm-hmm. Right. Right now we're talking about money, but as you listen to our conversation, think about the lens of your life. What are the things in your life that you've placed before Christ? Right. Here's another uh, telltale sign of things that you want to look for. What do I entity in? Yeah. You ever met a person that you can tell when they got a raise? <laughs> You ever met a person when they got a bonus, you could tell? Yep. They're just walking a little bit different. Oh, that's swag change. Their clothes look a little bit different. Yep. They're driving a little different. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit happier. Mm-hmm. It could be a rainy day and they're smiling. Right. right. But the opposite <laughs> is you met someone who you knew when they were going through a financial struggle. Yeah. yeah. They showed it on their face. Their back was a little bit hunched. Mm-hmm. They avoided your eye contact. Yes. Why? Because they made money an idol. Right. Their emotions were dictated by their financial position. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I've been in situations where I've struggled with finances. I've been in seasons of prosperity. But what I know is that the love of God has never changed throughout any of those moments. That's right. The economy will change. Inflation will change. Mm-hmm. My job will change. I'll get a job. I'll get fired. I'll start a business. It may fail. But what I know is the love of God does not change. I love it. I'll say this one, this one other piece about idols. We're talking about money here. Um, but I was thinking about it on the plane ride here. We, we idolize people all the time. You ever heard somebody say, Hey, that's my idol. Mm. I Mm -hmm. idolize that Mm -hmm. person. The problem with that, you may be putting that person, that situation, that thing in the place where only God belongs. That's right. So I will say this. How do you Pressure check if money is an idol. Mm. The first thing you focus on is generosity. Right. Can you give away what God has given you? Or are you stingy with it? When you get that raise, the first thing you think about is remodeling your home. Right. First thing you think about is sending your kids to private school. I'm going to be real with you guys. You guys are looking at me. I'm looking right back at you. None of those things are bad, but in the wrong position. Yeah. You know, 100%, 100%. Those things aren't bad priorities. It's understanding one, God is my provider. Mm -hmm. God is my source of strength. God is my source of provision, Mm -hmm. not my bank account. Right. Right. I want to be wealthy. I want to grow what God has given me, but it's not going to lead my decisions Mm -hmm. and it's not going to lead my emotionality. I'm going to touch on this quickly. You're going to have to stop me. We're going to stay on time. I was thinking about Job and I was thinking about, we all know the story of Job and uh, how uh, the devil said, hey, if I test Job, he's going to curse you. Mm -hmm. One thing I thought about was one, God did not uh, remove things from Job. He just removed his hedge of protection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll say that again. He didn't take things from his hedge of protection. Mm -hmm. My question to you is if God were to remove his hedge of protection from your life, if your finances weren't the same way you expected them to be, would you curse God? Mm. Or would you say, hey, God, this is a process. I'm being tested. I trust you. That is a great way to pray. If everything were taken away from you, would you still worship God and would you still pursue him? Amen. Amen. And some of some of us are in that situation or have been in that situation. I think that's the right question to ask. Like, what am I turning to? I did have a thought on the whole idol point, too. And I'll I'll, I'll be transparent. There was a time where I. For a fact, uh, money was an idol in my life. I knew it for a fact. Now, some of y'all going to hear what I'm about to say. You're like, oh, my goodness. Like, because you don't know me and you never heard the story. But like. I love my wife. Everybody in this room knows that. We've been married for 16 years. I've been with her for 24 years, and the church said, 
right? I've been married for 16. How long was I with her? So that took me eight years. Eight years to marry that girl, right? And some of y'all are like, I know I wasn't going to stay around that long for your old bald-headed behind. I'm sick of you already. You you just waiting too long. I, I, I've been done. I found some <laughs> I think, <laughs> and you already touched on it. I know money is an idol when you think it's the answer for everything. And I'm going to give you this example. Like, it took me eight years to marry my wife. And some of y'all say, why? long. I didn't get married because in my brain I would tell myself, I don't have the money. Mm. How am I going to take care of this girl? I can barely take care of myself. Mm. Right? So back in the time, I thought I was just being responsible, but it wasn't until the Holy Spirit me through an old elder. It's like, boy, just hurry up and marry that girl. Yeah. It wasn't until somebody revealed it to me that I'm realizing, like, I'm allowing money. That's so good. To stop God from uniting me with the person that I could change the world with. And he, 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 here's the thing. I wasn't getting married to have money. That's just what I told myself because I was scared. Right? Because I finally did marry her, y'all. And I found out I didn't need money more than I needed better communication. I didn't need money more than I needed vision. I didn't need money to be married to her more than I needed passion. I didn't need money more than I needed thoughtfulness. I didn't need money more than I needed, fellas, preach with me, patience. Amen. That's a word. And ladies. <laughs> Amen. It's like, I'm sick of him. I need patience for him. Money was my scapegoat because money was my idol. That's amazing. Just sit with that for a second. That's amazing. I'll add one thing to yes. that. Um, statistics show that your income, your life, your marriage is a compilation of your five closest friends. You better preach. So if money's... I can almost promise you that your five closest friends are struggling with the same issue. So my admonishment to you is maybe it's time to change your circle. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's time to get around people who don't idolize money mm -hmm. and that their number one focus, their only focus, is the kingdom of God. I'll leave that there. I, I love it. And I think this helps us transition perfectly to this next question because it's like, all right, well, how do you, how, how do you, how do you kill idol worship in your life, especially when the idol is, is money, right? Well, God has baked in a way through his word to do it. Call tithe right so here's my here's my question because i know many people have this question and i at one point in my life had this question what would you say to someone who says pastor i love jesus i can't even afford the tithe i can't even afford to like you seen these bills these bills billing <laughs> life is life in like i want to tithe but i can't afford my tithe? What would you yeah. say to that? That's a great question. I'm going to be transparent. We're amongst family. Um, pastor Terrence mentioned this, that I'm a pastor's kid. My dad's been a pastor for 40 years. Mm -hmm. My brother is a senior pastor. Her brother-in-law, it is just the family business. I told God if there's anything in this life that I don't want to do <laughs> is to become a pastor. And I'm here with you today preaching a message about finances. That's usually that, how that works. That should tell you everything about how God works. <laughs> um, but in all honesty, growing up, 
In our house, my dad would force us to give the first 10%. Mm-hmm. Birthday money, Christmas money. Yep. If you could cut your toy in half for, uh, that you got for your birthday, he would tell you to tithe that as yep. well. So I had a head knowledge of tithing. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I grew up, a bit more money, um, it fell by the wayside. And why it fell by the wayside is because I did not have a heart knowledge of why the tithe was even created. Right. Why did God require me to give the first 10% of everything that I bring in Mm -hmm. to give to him? And here's what I would say when it comes to the tithe and and talking about canning afford the tithe. We'll talk about practical steps and then we'll talk about the spiritual side of it. Mm -hmm. It is not about the money. Say that with me. Say it's not not about about the the money. money. You know what it is about? It's about your heart. That's right. Wants to be the first and only in your life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the reason why the tithe was created because God wants to be able to see if he is the most important thing in your life. That's right. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is. Mm-hmm. Amen. I know there's some people who say, oh, Patrick, money's not important to me. Okay, how about this? How about I, I run down there, grab your wallet, run out to the back, and let's see if you chase me. <laughs> or let me borrow some money from you, and then right around Thanksgiving time, you see me in Bora Bora, vacationing with my family, <laughs> haven't paid you back. We'll see how important money you then. What's most important is God wants to know, and he wants to be able to see, am I most important in your life? Mm-hmm. Most people in this room have two opportunities to pass the test of obedience every month. That's right. What is that? That's the first and the 15th. When you get paid. Right. Just look the test right now. I'm not looking at you. I'm not talking about you. This is not conviction. This is just information. This is just what I've lived. That's right. So first, the tithe is a test. It's testing where your allegiance is Mm -hmm. and who you serve. It's not the only thing that's important, though, Pastor Terrence. Right. I have a perfect tithing record. Mm-hmm. Never missed a tithe. Mm-hmm. 35, 40 years. And guess what? Their finances are still not blessed. Imagine you, you that. Talk to them. T- t- talk to them. That's Imagine real. being mm-hmm. biblically, biblically obedient mm-hmm. with your finances for 35 years. You've never seen anything supernatural. Mm-mm. You've never seen God move in a way that's abnormal. Mm-hmm. Because church, what we're talking about today is the abnormal move of God in your finances. Right. What does that mean? That means that things happen in your finances that you could not have studied for, right. you could not have prepared for, you could not have networked for. Mm-hmm. It is the favor of God. That's why. Right. Because they tithed the first 10%. They did it from their head, but they also didn't manage the 90 They gave 10% and assumed that the other 90 was going to be blessed without taking the proper steps Mm -hmm. to be able to steward what God gave them. Mm -hmm. So you may be looking at well and good. I can't even afford my mortgage. Right. I went to the gas station. I put $5 in and I kept moving because that's all that I could afford to put into my vehicle. Mm -hmm. Here's what me and my wife do. We actually budget the tithe. Yeah. Absolutely. I know how much I'm going to make. Right. I know what my girls pay. Our line item, there's a line that says honoring God. That's right. It is the first thing that we do. Mm-hmm. I don't care if we're struggling. I don't care if we can't put into retirement. Mm-hmm. I don't care if we can't um, save. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had a question that came through when someone asked, 
I pause tithing to be able to take care of my other financial principles. Right, right. It's not an either or. It's a non-negotiable. That's right. I'll say that again. It's not either or. It's a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. And we talked about early uh, the, the conversation about Job is when we fail to tithe, what happens out of the way and there's no protection, That's there's so no good. covering, there's mm-hmm. no hedge. Mm-hmm. So the fiery darts of the enemy, inflation, housing market crash, uh, economic uncertainty, mm-hmm. job loss. Mm-hmm. Your boss walks in and everybody in your section gets fired. But for some reason, you're the one who gets stayed on. Those are right. the things that moves out of the way. He doesn't oppose you. He just doesn't cover you. Mm. Wow. So you're say, tired. Say, say, say that again. That's, that's good. You're exposed. Your tire blows out and you think it's just a happenstance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have that medical emergency that you've been healthy your entire life. Why? Because the covering and the protection of God is no longer there. Because you made tithing optional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not an either or. It's a commandment. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to be reasonable. We're going to talk about it. If you are in a position where you honestly feel like you can't give the first 10% of what you have, mm-hmm. I, this is going to be controversial. I was Start somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. You think about fitness. I'm not asking you to go to the gym and, and bench press 300 pounds. I'm asking you to go walk on the treadmill. Thank you. Change your eating habits. Right. Why? Because you have to change the way you think mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. way you see things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When, when you think about it, uh, I call it the, the new Christian phenomenon. When you, when you get to know Christ and you're on fire for God, you read the Bible front to back four times in two weeks. <laughs> And then I check in with you two weeks and you haven't picked up your Bible in years. Yeah. It's the same thing about financial principles. Pace yourself. Mm-hmm. Get around people who are tithing. Friends are not tithing. Guess what you're, you're not, not going to do? You're not going to do it either. You're not going to tithe. Right? Change your it's circle. It's always the ratchet friends. <laughs> Change your perspective and realize that tithing is the gateway to obedience. Yes. And it's the gateway to blessing. Uh, uh, man, that is so, so good. I, I, I love it because, you know, you asked the question. What do I do if I can't afford to tithe? And I, my response to that is like, I can't afford not to tithe. Like, I just, I can't, I can't, aff- like, and y'all, and I'll be honest, like, I've been tithing for decades, but I did not start that way. It was, it was, it was baby steps for me, like, to get, to get to. And, and here's the thing, like, we don't tithe, like, tithing doesn't make you generous. Tithing makes you obedient. Mm. Like you just, you got to understand that it's like, all right, this is what God is asking of me. God, first of all, God doesn't need any of it, but this is what he's asking. Why? Because it's right. So yeah, I remember the days where man, I just, I couldn't afford it all. And the reason I couldn't afford it all is because it wasn't a budget item. Yes, I knew, like, my, my mother was just like, like, it's like whatever I had, birthday money, whatever it was, I had to take that 10% out. And, you know, as trying to figure that out, that was a mess. First coming out of school, not having a job, had degrees but no job, I couldn't, I just couldn't figure that out. But I said, you know what, I'm not going to do nothing because I can't do the whole thing. I'm just going to do something. And something turned into me tithing on the net of what I make. And then uh, the after I did that long enough, I was able to tithe on the gross of what I made. And then I start doing it so long, and the principle was such a priority in my life. Now, I don't even think about giving over and above. Is it because I'm doing better than anybody else? No. It's just because I've planned out to do this in my life. It is 
guarantee. Yeah. Every month, I know how much is coming in, but I know there is a guaranteed amount that will go out that is not just my tithe. It is over and above because I plan for it. I love that workout analogy that you gave because, man, like to in order for to develop muscle endurance, you got to do a little bit more every time. Just a little bit more every time. I was at the gym with somebody the other day, and we were working out. And the person was like 10 years younger than me. And we were working out, we were working out. And I'm not going to put anybody on the spot, but we were going in. And after a while, and I'm not trying to brag or whatever. Like, when I go to the so- gym, like... Sounds like you're bragging. Listen, I don't play. Like, I don't play. Like, when I, when I go to the gym, I work out like my life depends on it. Mm. Because it yeah. does. That's a whole message. I ain't even got the time. Mm. But I think the same way about... About my tithe, I, I remember this person. It was like, man, like, how you still got energy a- at the end of this? I have this thing called muscle endurance because every time I come in the gym, my goal is to add a little mm. more to my workout. If we thought the same way about the tithe, it's like, man, I ain't there today. But when I come in, instead of pushing ten pounds, I'm a, I'm a push. Maybe it's twelve. Some, some of you want to go. It's twelve. Yeah. Maybe it's fifteen. But just adding a little more after a while, you get so used to doing it, it doesn't even bother you anymore. Amen? I'm going to add one piece. The Bible says that God asks us to test him. Yes. Right? He tests us, but he also asks that we test him and that he would open up the part of blessing that we can't contain. If you've never tithed before, I challenge you to test God. Yes. Try it. You can never outgive God. Now, this is where it gets a little bit squirrely with the prosperity gospel yep, yep. and give to get. That's not what I'm talking nope. about. I'm talking about a good mm-hmm. will never ask from you something that he can't give back to you. That's right. Um, Ten, a hundred times over. And I'll challenge you with this. We're talking about finances, but what we talk about today are principles that you can carry in every aspect of your life. I saw Pastor Terrence in the back earlier. What would our life look like if we first 10% of our life. Come on. Not just our finances. What if the first 10% of our day in the morning, we gave it to God? What if the first 10% of our marriage, our kids, our career, what would our life look like? What would the kingdom of God look like if it wasn't just our money that we tie every aspect of our life? That's right. Just a thought. I, I, I love that. Last thing I'm going to say on the tithe is, because people think this, I'm a tithe when I get more money. I've literally had people walk up to me and tell me that, like, after church. I see, I want to get with, like, as soon as I get more money, I'm going to start paying my tithe. And here's the reality, like, more money doesn't change. It just, it, like, you have to change the way you think about this thing. Once again, it's like, I'm not going to tithe when. No, I'm doing this like my life depends on it because, once again, I can't afford not to do it. I just, I just want to speak to that person that says, like, I'll do it. Here's the truth, and Patrick and I both know this. The more money you get, more different. the harder it is to actually do. It's easy when you're tithing a dollar, a dollar off a of ten. What happens when you're tithing a thousand off of ten thousand? Mm. That's a harder it. check to write. But when you're up to have that endurance, you don't feel the pain as much. That's so good. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, all right, let's let's get into this because that I think I think a lot of that speaks to every individual, right? But there's a lot of married folks in this room, and we about building strong families to build strong futures. And the church said, "Amen." Let's talk about married folk with money because this is where it gets really good. People get divorced because. 
that's it's a like some of the biggest arguments people have in their marriage is always over money, money, sex and money. Two things. We ain't talking about sex today. We're talking about money. <laughs> I like talking about sex. Okay, let me stop. <laughs> okay, married folks. It's not a relationship, seriously. It's not. But you better come off that airplane and come home, girl. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, focus, 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 focus. Squirrel. Okay, look. Listen, marriage. Let's talk about this. What are some steps that my spouse and I can take to honor God with our finances? Let's talk about it. That is a question. I'm probably going to look straight here and not over at my wife who was on the front <laughs> row. Um, the question hit the nail on the head because it asked, how do we honor God with our finances? Yes. Not how do we get ahead. Right. Not how do I get my opinion to be heard. Mm -hmm. Not I'm the accountant or the CPA or the numbers in my marriage. The question asked, how do we honor God. Mm -hmm. And I think to answer the question about how we honor God, we first talk about ways of how God is dishonored in marriages when it comes to finances. Mm -hmm. You mentioned it. The leading indicator for divorce is finances. Right. The Bible talks about finances more than anything else. Money more than anything else mm -hmm. in the Bible. Right. Why? Because God knew that if we don't get this money conversation right, it's going to be a really, really hard time for us mm -hmm. here on this earth. Yep. I don't know if you've heard a term before called financial. Has anybody Ooh, heard that before? Let's talk about that. What is financial infidelity? Come on. Financial infidelity is lying to each other about money matters. Mm. So we're going to say a little joke here, right? Mm -hmm. So when, uh, wife, when you buy that Target order and you run home to get home before your husband, the Amazon box is piled up yes. at the front of the door. What are you practicing? You're practicing financial infidelity. Yo, they be mad sneaky with it. Like, they sneaky. They be hiding sneaky, stuff sneaky. under the seat of their car. <laughs> How long them shoes been sitting in your car, girl? And my joint, she jaw oh, joint, she be doing this to me. Place had this girl. I ain't never seen them shoes before in my life. Sorry, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm venting. I need. Uh, so I, you guys are my therapist. Sorry, I need help. Okay, sorry. Since we're having therapy, there's a yeah. demon connected to Target. Mm, oh, yo, yeah, yeah. There's definitely since, a Target since we're demon. Here, there's yeah, I there's rebuke a it. stronghold. I rebuke it. Over whatever that circular shape is. You're just attracted to it. Something happens mentally yeah. when my wife oh my or God. women across the world walk into Target. I bind it in Jesus. It's name. some level of therapy that I don't I, I don't understand. Understand. But we can laugh and we can joke, but there's other things that equate to financial infidelity. Yes. You're hiding. I talked to hundreds of people where they're five, six years into a marriage and their other spouse doesn't know that they have credit cards. That's crazy. They don't know they have student loans. They don't know that they purchased a house before they got married and it's close to being foreclosed on. It's real. These are real conversations that I'm having on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. About this hidden accounts, mm. hidden savings accounts. I'll say it again. Whoever's in the back, somebody's getting free. Hidden savings accounts. Why? What are you, what are you preparing for? It, it's, it's your exit strategy. It's your safety hatch. Mm. It's your in the falls off the rails. I will have something to be able to hold me up. Jesus. In our communities, the conversation is often about self-preservation. Right. It's a conversation about when this fails, when this doesn't work out, what will my life look like? 
problem with that, specifically in marriage, is that God honors unity. That's right. And everything that I just mentioned under the realm of financial infidelity equates to disunity. Yes. God can't bless your finances. He can't honor what you're doing. He can't help you take quantum leaps in your wealth building. When you can't even be honest with the spouse that you spend the rest of your life with. Right. So I'm going to give you three tips, three things that you can do to honor God with your finances Mm -hmm. if you are married. Let me write these Um, down. If you're single, just take the word spouse out and just add yourself. You're going to get married at some point. Um, Number one, reconcile with God. That's good. Reconcile with God. What does that look like? God, I've been hiding some stuff from you. Mm Mm-hmm. God, I thought I understood this money thing, but I don't. Right. God, when I, when I filed for bankruptcy, a part of me died. Mm. Can you help me build that part of my life back? Mm-hmm. Second, reconcile with your spouse. This is the hard one. Yeah, that's the hard one. Hey, wife. Hey, husband. I've been keeping something from you. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not cheating on you physically, but financially I am. Yeah. First, would you forgive me? And two, can the next steps be for us to work this thing out yeah. together? Then the third, I actually have four here, but uh, the third is begin the journey of talking through what you want your future to look like. Mm-hmm. Are you guys on the same page for what you want your finances to look like? Yeah. Does wealth look the same for you? Right. Do you both care about debt freedom? There's some spouses who one spouse wants to leverage debt and that's the way I'm going to build wealth. The other spouse, I want to live a debt free lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Those are foundational things that you have to be on the same page about. And then the last thing I'll say is this when it comes to honoring God with your finances. You guys have to have financial pillars that you agree on and that you're not willing to budge on or change. What are the financial pillars? One, tithing. Two, debt. Three, income. Four, generosity. Love it. Tithing generosity. you got to be on the same page about that. Mm -hmm. Because if not, it's going to be a very difficult process for you to build financial wealth and to honor God with your finances. I I think that's very practical and I think that's very insightful because it it maps out a plan for things that you should be thinking about. I think people just get in financial straits because they're not willing to have open and honest conversations about where they are. That is, one is embarrassment and the other is pride. Mm And I just, I'm going to be transparent because I've, I've done this. I, I do run the finances in, in my home. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Um, but there are times, even now, y'all, so this is like not a journey that I've, I've overcome. I'm better at it. But there are times financial decisions out of pride. And I'm going to give you an example. When it comes to home renovations, I'm the dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to fix this, girl. You don't know what you're talking about. I've been talking to these contractors and plumbers. You don't know what you're talking about with that HGTV. stuff. HGTV. Yeah, HGTV made me feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a GC, you know? <laughs> but there's times where I'm getting for a job for the house, and I'm like, in under under the guise of, man, I'm just trying to get this done. I don't want this to be an inconvenience. Or, and it's like, yo, I'm a, I'm a man, so I feel good about like taking care of my house, and the church said. Hey, man. I feel good about that, but there's times where I don't decide with my wife. And that's not fair to her. That's that's me committing financial infidelity. If everything is open and everything is honest, I don't care if she doesn't understand what the contractor is going to do. It is my responsibility as her husband to discuss how in our house is moving. And I'm, I'm just, listen, listen, y'all could be like, oh, that make you a punk because you talk about everything. Uh, that's why I got money. Okay, so whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> because I, I, like, I'm willing to put my pride aside mm. to say, you know what, before I make a decision, I'm going to do what the Bible says and I'm going to see 
And if the woman that I got married to is supposed to be my helpmate, then guess what? She needs to be the first person I seek counsel with as it pertains to our finances. Amen? Amen. So that's just me. Maybe I only got that problem. I'm just saying that's, that's so just me. I, I'll add one thing. Uh, me and my wife got married, came back from our honeymoon. We had our first budget. Uh, to date, that was the worst argument that we've ever had <laughs> it's always like in our entire yeah. marriage yeah. because of that pride conversation. I came in, I said, I'm the finance person. Right. I understand money. I'm going to kind of listen to what you have to say, but this is the way that finances work. Right. To this day, she manages our budget. Baby. <laughs> she does a phenomenal job at it. And why does she manage our budget? She's gifted to do it. She's a lawyer by trade. She understands the day-to-day -day of our family better than I ever could because I'm running a company. And two, I get to a place of decision fatigue when it comes to finance. Churches, I'm working with pastors. And when I get to my personal budget, I'm like, just buy $5,000 worth of Cheetos. I don't see the problem with that. <laughs> She's like, no, 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 we got to live a life. So it, to that pride conversation, maybe you're misaligned in your marriage. Maybe your vocation says you should be handling the budget. But in reality, the other spouse. Right. Maybe you do investment management for a living and you shouldn't be investing your family's money. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we all have blind spots. That's right. So in your marriage, have conversations. Here's a great formula. Talk about finances for 15 minutes once a week. That's great. Talk about finances it. together for 30 minutes once a month. Talk about finances for an hour or more once a year. Mm. If you keep that cadence, it's very hard for the devourer, for the devil, to find an inlet in your marriage through the avenue of finances. That's great. That's super practical. Thank you for that. I, I love that. So in the interest of time, I'm going to keep it moving. Like talking about marriage and, and sometimes even when you try to get it right, you get it wrong. Mm. There's obstacles. There's there's failures, man, um, on the single side and on the married side. And I, I want you to just be as practical as you can. What steps can we take to make sure that when we have failed financially, what steps can we uh, that financial failure does not keep us from experiencing God's blessing in our life? Mm. We have and will continue to fail in the space of finances. Mm -hmm. Let me just free you with that. Yeah. I've made horrible, horrible decisions. Mm -hmm. Poor investments. Yeah. Purchases. I've done things with money to try to keep up with the Joneses yeah. <laughs> or yeah. to look a certain way on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've had your own stories of failures financially. Mm -hmm. Here's the first thing that you need to know. That failure is a prerequisite for your destiny. You better preach. Failure is a prerequisite for your destiny. Remember mm -hmm. when you were in college or high school, you had to take 101 before you can go to 102? Mm -hmm. That's what failure is. You have to experience it before you can move forward with what God has called you to do. Yeah. Um, I, I want to speak to uh, the person in the room who's failed financially and you feel like you can't get past it. See, a business closed. Um, you always feel like you're struggling financially. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're the kid of an immigrant <laughs> mm -hmm. and you've had familial issues with your finances. Mm -hmm. Maybe a parent or a loved one treated you improperly under the guise of, of finances. Um, I want to free right now. I want to tell you that you can move past that. I want to tell you that God has a plan and a destiny for your finances. And until we do the work that's required to heal from those traumatic moments financially, because we all have them. Mm -hmm. The question is, what do you do with your trauma? Yeah. 
scarred. We're all cut on. We've all had things that have happened. We've lost jobs. We've had financial hardships. But the question is, what do you do with that pain Mm -hmm. when you experience it? And for the sake of time, I'll say this. You give it to God. Amen. You can't heal yourself. Mm -hmm. Your spouse can help heal you. Mm-hmm. Only God can. That's right. Because God and the devil will speak similar things in different ways. Mm-hmm. The devil will tell you that that failure was the end of you. That that failed business means that you'll never be a business owner ever again. Mm-hmm. But God will tell you, hey, I saw that failure and guess what? I was with you. Hey, you have a purpose. You have a destiny. Hey, you see that door that's lighting up in front of you? I'm opening up the way and the pathway for you to still win and for your story to be redeemed. Amen. I think what we do is we um, just personally, we, we raise um, barriers around our lives of hurt. Yeah. I, I had a bankruptcy, so I'm never going to trust anybody mm-hmm. with money again. Mm-hmm. I had a failed business, so that means I'm never going to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we, we raise these barriers around us to keep ourselves from being hurt again. Mm-hmm. But what they actually serve as is barriers to our blessing. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get into your life. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to give you this blessing that I've been trying to give you for two, three, four years. But you have so many boundaries and barriers up because you never healed from that traumatic moment. That's right. So that would be my thought when it comes to failures, when it comes to trauma. It's like a scar or a cut. Mm -hmm. If you don't address that wound, it becomes a... Mm -hmm. If you think about it, money tells me more about who the person is. Yeah. If you're a generous person and you make a lot of money, you're going to be a generous, wealthy person. Mm -hmm. If you're stingy and you're greedy and you use money to manipulate, guess what? When you have a lot of it, you'll do that exact same thing. thing. Mm -hmm. So what is the answer? The answer is get healthy. Yes. We know we're going to fail. We know that uh, things are going to happen in life, but what does that process of rehabilitation look like personally inside of me? Yes. Because my money, if I look at your bank account, I can tell you everything about you. Yeah. I can tell you what you value, who you value, what's important to you. Mm-hmm. The question is, what does your heart look like and are you healed? Amen. Amen. I, I think one of the greatest things you can do to heal is is talking to somebody. Whether you talk about money, you talk about anxiety, you talk about depression, you should talk to somebody. Yeah. All right. I, I love this because we talk about the brotherhood that we have. Like, you know, as it pertains to my finances, you pretty much know everything. Right. And when I'm when I want to make a decision financially, never tell me what to do, but he'll educate me on the decisions I want to make. So I'm like, hey, man, I want to try this. He's like, no, no, don't do nah, that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but but once again, I think the I think the, the the blessing of it is that I've learned so much financially because I did not allow my shame. Listen to what I'm about. Allow me to not ask for help. Somebody, someone's so ashamed of what we got financially. Oh man, I I don't want to show anybody my. I don't want to tell nobody because you know they're gonna laugh at me or they're gonna clown me because I ain't got what somebody else got. Listen, man, nine times out of ten, everybody putting on the front about something. Shame. I think accountability is a way to to release shame. Uh, find somebody. Everybody doesn't have to be a financial guru, but I, there's even a connect group. I believe you already was telling me about where people literally, they're not fully sharing their finances, but they're saying, hey, I have this debt and I need accountability in this area. There's a connect group at this church for that. They've been helping each other through accountability pay off their debts. What I'm trying to tell you is do not think you have to do this alone. Don't let shame make you fight a war alone. You have people that will help you. That's great. So, so, so with that being said, you get 
But now, like, how do I cast vision? Like, how how do I even gain a vision for my finances, Pat? Just, I think that's gonna bless somebody in here today. Yeah, that's great. I think sometimes we we focus a lot on financial struggle. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna assume that everyone in this room is struggling financially. My- show that a lot of you guys are doing very, very well, and you can meet me down here on the front after. Um, (laughs) But I want to speak to two people, those who um, you have done it right. You paid off debt, you have a budget, you're tithing, and I get this question a lot. Yeah. I've done finances the way that the Bible has told me to manage finances, but I'm lacking vision. Mm Mm-hmm. I see the house, I see the car, I see the physical things, but what has God actually called my finances to do and how are they going to make a more eternal impact than what's here on this earth? The other conversation is to the individual where you are struggling. And sometimes when you're struggling, it's very hard to see vision. When you're in the gutter, when you can't pay your bills, when you are constantly having stress and anxiety sit on your shoulders because you don't know where the next payment is going to come from, mm-hmm. it's very hard to have vision. Yeah. Two spaces. It's hard to have vision when you're doing really It's hard to have vision when you're not doing very well yeah. because you have different stress and pressures that are on you. So That's right. here's what I would say when it comes to uh, vision for your finances. First, go to the word. Amen. What does God say about my life? What does he say about my finances? Um, and, and one thing I would, here's what me and my wife think about when it comes to wealth building. Who are we going to meet 10 years, 20 years down the line that they're depending on our financial management. They're depending on our focus towards achieving what God has called us to achieve financially. What type of kingdom impact am I going to miss out on by not doing it the way that God has called me to do it? Sometimes you don't have a full vision of what God is going to do in your finances. Mm -hmm. But what you do know is that he's going to use you as a conduit. Right. Yari on the stage, she couldn't have said it any better. Mm -hmm. God wants us not just for our family and for our loved ones so that he can see, hey, I'm looking down on the earth and I see a cool church who I can give assets to. Mm -hmm. I see a cool church who I can send wealth to because I know it's not going to stick in their hands. Mm -hmm. My question is, if God gave you, let's just use the quintessential number, a million dollars, what would you do with it? Would you make sure Mook Mook and Ray Ray are taken care of? (laughs) Would you go buy three homes in the Cayman Islands? Man. What would you do with those assets and would it leave a kingdom impact? Right. Pastor, I love nice things. Yeah. Nice things don't leave a kingdom with that. impact. That's right. I love homes. I love cars. Mm-hmm. I love living a great life, but for me and my family, it doesn't leave a kingdom impact. Amen. We talk about generational legacy. What about kingdom legacy? Right. How many people are we going to meet in heaven and say, hey, Pastor Terrence, I never met you. I don't really know you, but because of your stewardship and generosity, I got to know Christ. Jesus. You see my whole family who's It's because you steward your finances well. Jesus. You were able to help plant churches in different locations. You were able to help impact the city of Miramar because you were diligent with what God gave you. Amen. Amen. I received that. And I think mm. whether you're doing well or not doing well, whatever that is, um, the mission is the same. Can we impact the kingdom of God with our finances and have fun doing it? Yeah. And have fun doing it. So with that, I'm going to ask you just one last question. I think the band should come up too, so it just could sound real spiritual when we say it. Um, (laughs) You're talking about you can't have a vision. You can't.
Well, if you don't identify what's important to you and what you're talking about is legacy, not just my financial legacy or not just my family's legacy. You're talking about kingdom legacy, the kingdom of God. So I need to ask this because there's folks that, that come in this room says, yo, I, I tried that. I, I wanted to bless the kingdom, man. I gave my t- I did. I did everything I could to be generous in the house. But the house did not steward well or the house did me wrong. Or I was mistreated in God's house. I tried to develop the kingdom, but the kingdom didn't treat me right back in the process. So how do I pursue healing? Experiencing church financial mismanagement, because a lot of people don't give in church because of what churches have done. So how, how, how can you heal from something like that? Man, you're going you're gonna to have me cry up here um, because I've had this conversation countless times with people. And, and what I would say to you is that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that your interaction with the church resulted in distrust, resulted in God's money being mis. The pastor, the leader, the church, you may never get an opportunity to reconcile that in your heart. Um, But I can stand here as a CFO, as a business owner, as someone who's been a part of church my entire life and say that I'm sorry. I think those moments create gaps in life. And unbeknownst to us, we create internal vows that we didn't even know take up root in our life. What are some of the internal vows that I hear? I'll never give the churches again. Churches are only after my money. How can I trust the doing whatever it may be? And I think the first step is to pursue your own personal healing. God can do it. God can unearth those feelings of betrayal, of hurt, those moments when you trusted in who you believe God placed in your life. So I think the first thing is you pursue healing. Um, there's a story in the Bible about a couple called Ananias and Sapphira. You may be familiar with that story. It was two church leaders who sold a property and the Lord told them to give all of the money to the church. And they, they held some back and you can read the story on your own, but they were killed. Yep. And God dealt with them significantly. So your job is not judgment to the church or the organization who mismanaged the funds. That's not your job. Right. Judgment is the Lord's. Yes. And matter of fact, it's always harsher and more painful when the Lord deals with someone than when you do. 100%. It's the church's responsibility to steward and manage what God has given us. So first, two, it's healing. Three, it's starting the process of meeting God again and not just the church. Because the church is full of people. And because it's full of people, it's full of sin. Because it's full of sin, we're going to miss the mark. One thing I'm proud to say here as a CFO of Cool Church is that level of stewardship, financial management, every single dollar that comes into this organization, we sweat the details. Why? Because it's not our money. It's God's. And we want to be conduits and good stewards of what God has called us to do. Amen.
it's interesting. And yeah, man, I, I want maybe you need to hear it from the pastor's mouth too. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that wherever you may have come from before or whatever examples that you may have seen were not, wasn't God's intention. What people did was not God's intention for your finance. And I, 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 I just, I want to, I want to say this because I, I think this is a very important. Second Corinthians nine, six says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows generously each of you should give what you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We shouldn't have to force you and nobody should have to come down on you to make you feel like you have like you shouldn't you should not feel pressured from the house of God to do anything. And the church said, Amen. says, but God loves a cheerful giver, which we say all the time. And I love this as the verse goes on. It says, now he who supplies seed to the what sower. And breadfruit will also supply and increase the store, um, your store of seed and uh, will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. As you read that passage in Corinthians, here's what people don't like to talk about, but it's a reality. We, as God's children, if we're being obedient to this verse, we only have one job. You know what it is? So. So. We are called to sow. We are called to release. Oh, if I understand that my job is to release seed, once I've done that, I've held up my end of the bargain with God. Once I've released the seed, once I've sown the seed, and once I've released it into the soil, here's what I want you to catch about churches that might mismanage or anybody that might, might mismanage. So the seed, because I planted many things in my house, I know this to be true. I've planted things in some, in some soil and it's grown. And then there's some seeds that I planted in some other types of soil and it did not grow. But my job is not to determine the soil. My job is to sow the seed. I sow the seed regardless of what the soil is and the return will come if it is good seed. And once and here's what here's what I also know. If I sow seed in soil that is not reaping a harvest, guess what I don't do again? More. Because I understand how. Oh, you know what? My job was to sow. God, you have revealed to me that this seed is not, the, this place is not the place I should sow. But I'm not going to stop sowing just because some soil did not give me the return I was looking for. I'm going to sow the seed knowing that when it hits the right soil, it's going to cause people to give thanksgiving to God. Releasing the seed is the part that I play. And... Here's what I'm going to say. The seed you earned is only blessed by the seed you sow. It all belongs to God. God gives it to you. He says, man, I'm just looking for 10. The 90% that you hold on to is blessed by the 10 that you release. It's by what you sow. Stop worrying about what's going to happen when it's sown because God will bring the judgment on the soil mm -hmm. if it does not produce. The judgment only comes back on you when you've been given seed that you do. Our job 
is to sow the seed. As the reality is today, we got to be mindful. We got to be careful. We must think about and give careful thought to all of our ways, not just financially. Think about the person that you are in life today. And why am I taking this beyond finance? Because here's the truth. None of what we said to you will make sense today. None of it financially will make sense to you today. If you don't consider all of your ways, what are you, what are you talking about? The Bible says it like this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. We only go down the wrong way when we don't take the time to consider our ways. And I want you to understand the way that maybe somebody in this room has not considered. He's not just a way. He's the truth. <laughs> it's not just the truth. He's the life. I'm asking you today, consider your ways. Because all these financial tips and stuff, but you can't reap the blessing of the spiritual financial tips that we are even giving you today if you don't first surrender your life to the source. His name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and no man gets to the Father except through him. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.